So welcome back to the Birdie Bunk Pod. Episode 15. We're back. Yep, it's been a few weeks. Yeah, we've had a little um we've had a little gap from the last one, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, I had visitors round and then uh an illness. Actually I didn't have the illness, but it was yeah. in my house and but, I didn't want to spread it. But hey, you know, it happens when it happens. Yeah, and, and it's nice thing. to be back. So uh today we're doing I think this was one of yours, wasn't it? This is one that you came Yeah, up with. I wanted to talk about adders just because they're a they're an animal that I particularly like seeing. Um, and I think one that's got a fair amount of misinformation, especially when it comes to the media, which, as we know, I quite like talking about. We've already done the spiders on in the myths episode. Uh, so I thought it'd be a nice opportunity, especially as this is the time of year when they start popping up. So they'll probably start featuring in newspapers soon. Yeah. So it's a nice time to talk about them. We did. I think we did mention that in Mythbusters, didn't we? A little yeah, bit about, so. about the perception of adders and snakes in general. I think. Yeah, so I thought we'd talk about you know a little bit as as we always do with the species specific episode a bit about their behavior and lifestyle yeah. and then we'll move on to some cultural stuff and some I think it's a good some... one to do it's a much maligned animal and again one we often talk about animals that are threatened and the adder is definitely one of those comes in that category yeah so um, it should be good fun to chat about yeah but as ever we'll do uh, a little catch up we've got i think some things to say haven't we yeah. about catch up uh, for our catch up today so uh, do you want to go first yeah i have actually been out the house for a change which is <laughs> quite nice <laughs> louise let you out yeah <laughs> I, I was let out um because we're over the bank holiday uh, easter bank holiday we actually had some nice weather and i had some friends uh, from university uh, pop down uh, they sort of live up north, so they like to come down and, and make use of the, the southern wildlife. Uh, Sean, in particular, likes coming looking for the you birds. You went on a little nature reserve tour, by the sound yeah, of it. Yeah, we had, we had some species we wanted to see. Um, managed to get Dartford warbler. Oh, I wanted to get that. Uh, we saw a short-eared owl, which was very cool. Glossy ibis, spoonbills. I've never seen before. Um, I haven't seen a spoonbill either, which was really exciting. We saw a barn owl nesting in a split tree, which was very cool to see. A sort of a, a natural roost rather than you know, a barn. Um, we saw little gulls. Uh, we we didn't manage to see the lesser spotted woodpecker, but that was always going to be a bit of a tall order. We got Sean his first firecrest, um, and I got to see some insects and spiders. But it hasn't been quite warm enough. No, it's still it's still been quite cold, hasn't it? We've yeah. had cold winds as well, so I, 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 I'm seeing bees and the odd butterfly in the garden now. But it's still, I think, a bit early. Yeah, we, of the temperature. we did also. We given obviously we're going going to chat about adders. We saw uh, sand lizards and common lizards, and then we managed to get my friend Dean his first ever slow worm, which was also weirdly the hardest find of the trip, despite the fact we were out looking for quite some rare birds. They were all very easy, uh, whereas we, we struggled, but we did we managed to find a slow worm. So we saw all three native lizards, which yeah, was also which quite was great. Cool. That's great. Uh, but yeah, it was, I bet uh, that it was, was good. Some... It was nice to be outside, and the yeah, weather's been a bit that... rubbish since. So I, we... I bet that was uh, a joy, wasn't yeah. it, for you to get back out again? Went to one nature reserve where we saw five birds of prey in about 15 minutes from peregrines to marsh harriers and sparrowhawks and buzzards and kestrels all in one bird hide so that was incredible Amazing. so yeah it was nice i've actually yeah left the house for a change yeah so well that's good well we've i've been out about a bit as well i've been to uh, pagham harbour mainly to watch curlews because as you may or may not know i'm a bit obsessed with curlews um uh, but and going actually going on from that, it's quite a good time, isn't it? Talking about curlews, that we are now officially curlew action ambassadors, which is quite cool. Um, the the people at curlew action, uh, I think, picked up on our 
Curlew episode on our podcast. Yeah, we did tag them, didn't we? Uh, we did tag them, and they, they actually listened to it, which was great. Uh, what was quite good as well is they came back and said, actually, you're, that's a really good episode and your facts were bang on. Yeah, so that's that was, always, always good to know. That was always comfortting, wasn't it? So um, to know Even that the six we, kilo guess, it yeah, was, well, yeah, it was right. they, she, she didn't mention my... Yeah, okay. I'm Very really, fat curlies. really pleased you said that again. Um, and they approached us to be Curlew Action Ambassadors, and we, of course... Uh, accepted how could you turn that down very, so expect curlew related posts very proud to be curlew action ambassadors and in fact we were at a little event with them uh, last night in an incredible location in on the um, Bewley estate down in the new forest for world curlew day for world curlew day and it was a, a little event that they were holding to um, raise awareness but also to raise funds for curlew action and also the countryside um, I think it was countryside conservation in new forest yeah was another um, organization that was involved and it was incredible it's a small venue in a tree house actually which was quite amazing and david gray who you may or may not know um is a patron now of uh, curlew action he's has been passionate, for a while. absolute passionate uh, about wildlife and um curlews in particular and he was there and and so it was an evening of music and and chat about conservation and curlews and it was quite magical actually yeah it was it was phenomenal it, it was, was amazing so uh but yeah, very proud to be to help them in any way possible very proud to be curlew action ambassador so yes we are going to batter you with curlew stuff and hopefully there'll be a follow-up curlew episode yeah. with maybe a guest or, or something in the yeah. future um i have one other little thing is <laughs> because i haven't obviously you know got involved in enough things yeah, right. got, you've got so much spare time. I am now officially a BTO volunteer surveyor. and um, You've got your own little patch. I have my little patch. in. She's very protective of, so no one <laughs> else is allowed to walk on that patch. A little patch of a good few acres around the River Arran, uh, just behind Arundel. And um, from October to March, I will be responsible for surveying, monitoring and capturing data on... Uh, water birds and waterfowl which is for very that cool. area and then i have to upload the data and all of that data is invaluable and um and used by the bto so i don't have to start that really until um october but i've already done my, a little site survey and it's an absolutely stunning little area surrounded by the downs and the river Arran and uh floodplain of the uh, river Arran. so there's all these wetland areas and, and I saw, even in the little time I walked around, uh, red kites, kestrels, shovelers, uh, gadwalls. gadwalls, mallards, mute swans, oh, everything. It was incredible. So I'm very uh, happy with that. Happy with my patch, but um, yeah, I, I may have to kick people off it because obviously it belongs to me now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> So that's a well, that's cool that's getting involved. In so some we've got and um, been quite busy, really, haven't we? Yeah, well, it's been obviously a little bit longer than normal between episodes, yeah. and also we're finally getting that time when the weather's nice enough for yeah. some photography. Well, for me anyway. I know you get yeah. the nice wintry birds. Yeah, I've been waiting for the for the creepy crawlies. Yeah, you have, and uh, it won't be long because it is warming up now. So, uh... okay, well, we better crack on and um, talk about and talk adders. about adders. I think maybe as this is your gig, really, and you're the herpetologist it is technically in my degree title but not really justifiable <laughs> you did do a degree in herpetology no i did a degree in, in zoology, zoology and herpetology that had one herpetology module but it is in my degree now, in title. my mind you are a herpetologist yeah. world famous mark o'shea sin right absolutely here. Um, um so probably best if you start um about the adder yeah okay well like we said at the start one of the reasons why i wanted to pick it was because 
they are an animal that sometimes get a bit of a bad rep. But also, and I can't remember whether I've said this before on the podcast, obviously I'm particularly interested in insects and creeper crawlies from a photographic point of view. I've always liked bird watching, but for me there's nothing quite as exciting as finding a snake. And I, I think that is probably because in the UK, unless you're out looking for them, you don't typically see them. Yeah. Uh, like when we got to go to Arizona and see rattlesnakes, it's still it was just there's something really exciting about finding yeah. finding a snake, um, and so the adder is always is always the one that features in the news because it's our only venomous snake um, that we that we have in the UK, and that's often why yeah. it gets a bad rep. But we'll get into that. So we'll and just, it's native to the new yeah, it's UK native as well. And, so it's a native species. Yeah, and it's interesting. It's actually one of the well, it's the most northerly occupying snake yes. in the world. You actually can get it all the way up to the Arctic yes, Circle. Yes, I read that. That I thought was amazing. Yeah, and so when you think of they've snakes... They've been observed in the Arctic yeah. Circle, haven't they? And you'd always think of... I mean, it's very far north to have a venomous snake yeah. anyway, and you always think of them being hot desert or jungle dwelling creatures is it officially a viper yeah because it, mm. it's it's that name is vipera berus yeah um yeah it's, it is a viper uh they they're not actually they're not big snakes they they sort of get to about 60 to 80 centimeters they're normally under a meter so they're not they're not huge uh and they live more in the south of the uk yeah uh, and they like sort of woodlands particularly heathland uh one of the best places to see them is places in dorset like studland heath and yeah uh Ridge and higher hide heath all, all those sorts of things but they'll, they'll also venture into grassland and uh i see them in the new forest for example uh you only typically see them sort of march to september time because they hibernate yes. um from about october until it depends on the they're coming out a bit later this year you can see them sometimes early march but april may is sort of prime time to see an it's, it's prime time for them as well because they're coming out because obviously all the ground nesting birds are doing their thing aren't they from that time onwards so they come out of hibernation around march time to to feed but obviously also to find a mate yes and their mating displays are quite interesting you get the males wrestling yeah uh, for dominance which i've never seen but my friend josh has actually filmed it uh which is which is very cool oh there was a, an episode by yolo williams uh, who did a whole thing about he was doing wildlife in wales and he did a four episode thing uh, all about the wildlife in, in wales and one of them was the fantastic uh location where um, uh, an expert on adders took him to this location. It was on and Anglesey, they, and they it was on Anglesey, and they filmed Good field work up there. Yes, and they filmed uh, male adders wrestling. Yeah, it's it? a really cool thing. Yeah, to see. it's incredible. Um, they're actually, I mean, they're they're very pretty snakes. Beautiful. Uh, they they've got like a, a zigzag checkerboard like pattern. Uh, they they vary quite a lot in color. You get the the females, which are normally sort of copper or brown, um, whereas the males are actually quite like like a silvery grey, but they are really quite beautiful. They've got really piercing eyes. They've got a stunning red piercing yeah. eye, haven't they? Uh, and sort of as expected for, for a snake, they they eat small mammals, amphibians, birds, reptiles, pretty much anything they can get their hands on. I read that they only eat six to ten times a year, is that true? Yeah, well, I, I haven't got anything to... Um, sort of back that up but in general if you snakes they don't they're very much sit and wait predators yeah they've got quite slow metabolisms like like all um people always call reptiles and, and things cold-blooded but the, the correct term would be exothermic i hope i've got that the right way around where um they they, they need to warm up to be active but unlike mammals who we have just warm ourselves up essentially they rely on the sun 
And because they're not expending a lot of energy to keep themselves warm, their metabolism and energy expenditure is typically just yeah. much lower. Yeah. When you look at something like a little mouse whose heart is beating so quickly all the time, a reptile's heart rate and just general biology is just a lot slower. So they don't need to eat as much. It's also why they typically live a long time. Yeah, uh, I think adders live sort of five to ten-ish years. Um, and again... Just... Up to 15, I've got written there. Oh, have you got up to... Oh, blimey. Mine must be like an average then. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's... Um... Yeah, that, that's, yeah, the average is probably 5 to 10, isn't it? Yeah, and then what's actually quite interesting, which people may not know, is they actually give birth to live young. Uh, so the female adders incubate their eggs within their body rather than laying uh, like a shelled egg, for example, and then they give birth to about 6 to 20 live little Perfect baby snakes. Perfect little snakes, yeah. yeah. In around August, September yeah. time, which is quite cute. Um, and then their main predators are birds uh crows and buzzards particularly but also pheasants yeah um and they're, they're probably the biggest threat or biggest uh yeah biggest predator of, of of the adders um the last little bit for their introduction is that as i've said they are venomous they are only venomous snake but that bite is not deadly or even dangerous really it can be to very very young people very very old people or if people have a allergic reaction Actually, the last death from an adabite, I've got the fact of that, the last death from an adabite was 1975 when a five-year-old got bitten on the ankle in Scotland. That's the last time, and there's only been 14 deaths from adabites in the last 100 years. Yeah, so they're, they're, the thing is, is, I mean, we can talk about this more after in a little bit, but not only is their venom not potent enough to take down like a, a healthy adult human, they also are very shy. You're... you're I've only ever seen them when I'm out really looking, and sometimes you can go days without actually finding yes, one. It, yeah. They're not something you're likely to stumble across. The, the thing that they are sometimes a bit more of a threat to are dogs, because yeah, dogs will disturb them, disturb and, them, stick their nose in yeah. somewhere, and and they they will quite easily kill a dog. Uh, but their their venom, if if you want the how it works, it contains a, an anti-clotting agent, and so they bite, and then essentially the the small animal dies from internal bleeding because it can't clot. And then they follow it around until it drops dead and they'll eat it. Yeah, it's pretty much them. most snake venom does that. You've it? got a variety of different. You've got like the neurotoxic venom, it, which yeah, attacks your neurons. Yeah. And then you've got ones that the cl- stop the blood, the blood from yeah. clotting. You've got some that make the blood clot really, really quickly yeah. so it can't actually be pumped around the body, which I think is the most gruesome one, where it turns your blood into like a thick jelly and so it can't actually go around your body. Oh. I think that's a particularly <clears> grim yeah. way. I, th- I think, and I'm not, I shouldn't you say I'm the herpetologist, I think the ones that are anti-clotting is called hematoxic, but I might have got that wrong. And of course, this is one of the reasons why there's this perception about snakes in general. And of course, the adder being our only native UK species that is venomous, um, obviously there are, you know, they're, they're put in the same category, I think, of phobias and fears, almost as spiders are. Yes. Which is a shame, really, because they are actually... Beautiful. Really timid and shy creatures. Yeah, the thing they? is, is they they're very sensitive to vibrations. Yeah, and so when people are clomping about in big shoes or boots across the heathland, they will be aware of you way before you're aware of them, and they will more likely just slither away. Yeah, uh, they're not. Also, the other thing that people need to remember when it comes to venomous animals, and this isn't always the case. You do get some aggressive species, but in general, venoms are very expensive thing for them to manufacture metabolically you know it takes a lot of energy and resources to produce venom so they don't really want to waste it on something they can't eat yeah so using that makes sense, venom yeah. as a defense is not really ideal because 
is the whole point is I want to kill the prey and eat yeah. it. So wasting it on something that you're not actually going to be able to consume is is never really going to be a priority. That being said, there are some spiders and snakes and wasps that are just particularly aggressive and don't seem to care about that. But it's not the norm. <laughs> no, it's not the norm. But I can, you know that we've villainized snakes in all sorts of films. Particularly, I mean, Harry Potter's a classic example, yeah. isn't it? And snakes on a plane or the Bibles. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Uh, from in from, however, you can go all the way back to like ancient religion. Well, texts. I've got I've got a little bit of folklore about Addis. There wasn't masses actually, but there are things like there was a there was a thing. Back in the Middle Ages, uh, but it went on a while, called the Bag of Heads, which was a bag of heads of an adder, a toad and a newt, and it was being used as a <clears throat> as a healing remedy as late as the 19th century, which I thought was quite oh, that cool. that is quite cool. The bag was dipped in water, and the water that ran out of the bag was lifted and applied to the affected part. Um, so that was quite good, but it had earned uh, uh, what an unfair reputation by people back even back in the you know early days yeah. and middle ages and what have you and it was considered very lucky to kill the first adder scene in springtime and there were all sorts of little beliefs there was a belief that adders were afraid of the ash tree i'm not quite sure how that originated oh, that yeah i wonder where so that came people from. working or walking on the moors would carry ash sticks either and with the belief that if they struck an adder with an ash stick it would kill them so it was a protective thing that they used to carry around with them. And actually it went further than that, that um, people working the land like shepherds would wear um, a crowns of ash twigs to protect them from adders. They would also put circles of ash twigs outside their properties to stop adders coming into their houses. So there was all sorts of strange beliefs. There was a really strange one as well. Um, and we are going back, you know, really pre the year 1000 and back in those days viking times and and what have you there was a strange belief that at certain times of the year adders would congregate and they wrap themselves into a large tight ball and it was thought that as they were doing this each snake um, released a powerful saliva which bonded that ball of snakes together and gradually turned them into stone oh that's and these became known as adder stones and and they were often with a hole in the middle. So then, consequently, from that belief, any stones that were found on the moors and uh, and the land with holes in them were called adder stones, stones, and they were thought to have a magical or curative property, one of which was to cure adder bites. So there are oh. lots of little things like that which are quite interesting. As you were saying that, just search, because I'm pretty sure when you say because there are snakes that form not a nice spherical ball, yes, but they, they, they mate in yeah. like a really big... Yeah, yeah. it's like a ball of That's snakes. That's probably what they were doing. Um, and but where not, that, not that in the UK. They're normally... Originated. I can't remember what type of snake... Oh, garter. Garter snakes are the ones between 10 and 100 male snakes will like writhe around and compete in this big like ball of yeah. snakes. Um, the folklore thing which I thought I would mention is... As I obviously have said, I spend a bit of time in the New Forest. Yeah. There is actually a pub, I think, called the Snake Catcher. And it was named Josh, actually, Tobias. I've just brought it up on Google. There was a guy called uh, Brusher, Brusher? Brusher Mills, right. who lived between 1840 and 1905. Yeah. And he was a New Forest folk hero because his occupation was a snake catcher. And essentially his job was to go through the New Forest and he caught and, I'm pretty sure, caught and killed just grass snakes and adders just to oh, just okay. to clear them out of the New yeah. Forest. 
yes, people didn't like finding snakes, but his, his actual job, he spent 18 years as a snake catcher, and it's thought that he caught around 30,000 snakes. Wow. Um, uh, he was said there to have been 30, given... There aren't 30,000 now, are there? No, no, there are not. He was a popular character in Brockenhurst because he enjoyed a tipple at the Railway Inn, which is now named the Snake Catcher. Oh, I know Brockenhurst really well. My parents lived very close uh, to Brockenhurst in a little place called Sway, which was just down the road. Yeah, but, yeah so the, yeah. The, the, the Railway Inn is now named after him, and apparently he became a popular tourist attraction at local fairs. Wow. And, yeah, his job was just to go through the New Forest and... I like that. That's a good. That's a good bit of folklore. <laughs> this article says that... Apparently, oh, he said he sent some of the snakes to London Zoo as food for birds of prey and he used others to make ointments to treat snake bites yes because actually that was one of the things i've also got written down here is that one of the treatments for snake bites was to cook up a snake adder and the fat from that that came out of the animal was used was applied and used to treat snake bites Mm. or adder bites quite uh, humorously says that he, these days he would have to choose a different profession because in the New Forest or in general those snakes are now protected so yeah. he would be out of a job yeah. But, but yeah so if you're in Brockenhurst you can pop into the snake catcher pub Yeah. so that was about all the folklore I could find I was I, I tried to find things in you know in literature and music that related to adders and couldn't find very little there's been very few poems or, or what have you written about them or they don't appear very much I think the the fork of a snake or an adder was appeared in the double double toil and trouble, which is cauldron right. spell. So I couldn't find very much. So <laughs> you're gonna love this bit. <laughs> Knowing how much you love poetry, because oh. I couldn't find one. Yeah, I've written one. You've written right, and okay. it's a, obviously a piece of literary genius. It's go and down I in guess history. you know someone would contact me and want to publish it, but. I'm going to attempt to read you okay. my poem. Oh, it's going to fall written. on the ears of somebody who never appreciates a poem. Oh, well, I've written a poem and I knew you'd love it. Okay, well, off you go then. Okay, here we go. So, you have to overlay some music to it. I probably will. Or, or the hissing of a snake. I just hope I read it properly. Okay, okay you're going to love this. It's Honestly, it's taken a lot of work. <laughs> God, God, start. Okay, here we go. Composer. The adder's not badder. In fact, they're timid and shy. We have made it sadder, and I'll tell you why. We think it's a villain and just wants to bite. But unless you tread on it, it hates to fight. If we don't look after it, soon it won't be about. And that will make me and him definitely shout. So don't think of the snake in Harry Potter when you think about the beautiful adder. Appreciate its beauty and its place on this earth and give it the love and respect that it's worth. That was actually really good. There you go. Yeah, fair play. I really like that. <laughs> so I, I wrote that knowing how much you love yeah. poetry and I couldn't find a poem. So well, I it was I'd actually pretty damn good. So You like that? Yeah, fair play. And I thought I'd surprise you with a poem. I liked it. I wouldn't be able to write it. I can't. <laughs> I can't I, it just doesn't work in my head. But so, I, you know what? I so liked did it. That, that work? Yeah, you should submit it somewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm guessing I'll have hordes of publishers wanting yeah. to put it in some kind of journal or book. No, it was good. Also, just as a very quick tangent, you mentioned the snake in Harry Potter. Nothing infuriates me more than in the first Harry Potter, when they go to the zoo, the, the snake blinks at him and they don't have eyelids and it just drives <laughs> me mad. <laughs> Uh, he he opens the Harry removes the glass so it can escape and he winks and I'm just like mm, no I think it might be a bit of a fancy creature though no but it was a python it oh, wasn't it was. I'm not talking yes, about the true. basilisk yes of course it was about just a python in a zoo yes it was wasn't it and it winked and I'm yeah. just like 
Yeah. The more interesting thing in Harry Potter is that you've got a massive communal eusocial spiders living together. That's that's pretty cool. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's kind of all the um, the sort of facts and a bit of folklore. Uh, what was the next thing on the agenda? Was the myth-busting around adders? Yeah, and I've, we've touched on this, to be honest, I've covered most of it. The, the biggest myth is that the fact that they're dangerous yeah. um, or that they're sort of waiting to, to bite. Um, like I said, the venom itself isn't dangerous it's not unless you're allergic ill very old very young the 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 time they normally feature in the news is if they've killed a dog um you don't see it so much with other pets like like cats for example i guess you're less likely to find it your cat might go missing but yeah so they they do get a bit of reputation for um not being particularly favorable with dog walkers but they really are quite elusive, and and a lot of snakes are. I, I think if you speak to most people, even those who are walking around the New Forest or Dorset Heathland on a daily basis with their their dogs, they're probably not going to say they're seeing adders every day. Because I go out looking for them with the sole intention of finding them, and sometimes it's really quite difficult. Well, I can honestly say, I mean, I haven't been out specifically looking for adders, but we have looked at them on uh, on looked for them when we've been walking about, and they're. Um, Various of the nature reserves have places where they say you can see adders. And I haven't seen an adder now since I was eight years of age. They they are the, the snake that I find the most. Yeah. Um, mainly because you, you don't typically see them just chilling. Yeah. Uh, they, you get, it's called refugia, and it's normally sheet corrugated metal or felt. And it's normally put out there specifically. You see for, a lot of them on the nature yeah. reserves, don't it's you? It's because a lot of the habitat that they would like has been damaged. Yeah. And so it's a way of creating very quickly and very easily. You just put a bit of sheet metal in a warm spot, uh, a habitat for reptiles. And so you go around and it's a really good way of surveying where the reptiles are in the area because they will congregate yeah. there and you can sort of start counting them. But we, that's what my friends and I do. You go and you find the sheet metal you lift it up and see if there's a snake under it and so and whereas grass snakes you don't typically see that they're, they're not quite as common under a bit of refugia um so yeah they really are quite elusive i, I probably at risk of repeating myself because i sort of covered the myths at the beginning but the the, the, the idea that they're a danger is well and also i did about wrong. the deaths you know there's been 14 deaths um in the last hundred years and mostly as you said those cases are either young people or or people that are already poorly or yeah. elderly people or whatever. So um, it, it really is a myth that um, we've got a deadly snake. That we've got a deadly all. snake. Yeah. yeah, and actually they're they're a, say a much maligned animal in that respect. And people have this innate fear of them and of being bitten by them. And you're more likely to be stung by a wasp than you are to be bitten by. Yeah. A, by an adder so um... but they are not not adders specifically like you mentioned with spiders spiders and snakes do seem to be one that a lot of people have just an innate yeah. phobia of yeah um whereas again i've covered spiders before most of them are very very fine for humans but there aren't that many that can actually kill a, a, an adult and well, certainly not in this country no. no and most snakes are quite elusive you know they they are very sensitive to changes around them vibrations and things like that and they are much more likely to try and get away from you so we can quite i reckon move on to the threats because we always think of them being dangerous to us really as is always the case we are far more dangerous to the adders (laughs) than they are to us yeah and again um at a risk of repeating ourselves every episode um there are some key 
There are the, the main factors. The main threats. I've got some new ones. Though. Oh, okay. Well, you ca- you crack on then if you well, want some. Because I'm just going to say, as ever, habitat loss, intensive agriculture, yeah, okay. well, predation, persecution. You know the 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 norm that yeah, we so talk we'll, about. We'll cover those quickly, and then I'll go into a slightly more novel one. The yeah, the normal uh, contenders are in there. Mismanaged habitats. Yeah. So they like heathland, um, and a lot of our heathland is very heavily grazed, and which means they're habitats just frequently disturbed a bit like ground nesting birds dog walkers and people yeah. trampling across like i've said uh, already they're really sensitive to vibrations and stuff and so if they're and they're sit and wait predators they want to sort of find a spot and sit and wait yeah and so if you've got dogs rushing in or people you know freaking them out that disrupts them as well uh you've also just got the expansion of our agriculture yeah. um and as we always say, when it comes to the impacts that those industries have where poor soil leads to less insects, which will lead to less birds and mammals, which then leads to less food for the snakes. So it's a, it's a big chain, um, yeah. as it always is. So the normal contenders are and there. And you've got that thing like, as well, we talked about game birds as well. Now that was what I was going to move on to. Ah, okay. I'll let you do that then. Oh, cause... No, no, you Okay, well, yeah, on. so well, interestingly, I actually read an article and there was a spider researcher who thinks this is actually the biggest threat to adders so yes climate change and habitat mismanagement is bad but the one that risks them becoming extinct within the next 10 to 15 years is uncontrolled release of game birds and so that is at the start of i think the stat i've got is at the start of the pheasant shooting season 47 million non-native pheasants and 10 million partridges are released into the countryside and estate and pheasants will very happily kill reptiles they just Apparently, on site, adders will just be pecked, um, and they'll also eat young snakes. And so they're a real, a real threat to adders. Uh, they'll kill adults. They'll eat the young. And although adders, you know, venomous snake, potentially dangerous. Apparently, their fangs can't actually penetrate through the bird's feathers. Oh, okay. Well, when you think about that, pheasants' feathers probably the covering of feathers is quite thick. Yeah. Isn't it? So one of the yeah, so that that is actually one of the biggest yeah. threats. Um, and you know, there's the argument that the game shooting thing should just stop entirely. Uh, it's unlikely to, and so a lot of the conservation organisations work with land managers to do it in a more uh, structured way. So un- rather than this uncontrolled release, they need to be released in areas that aren't filled with precious adder populations. Um, one of the threats that we didn't mention. But sort of it relates to this is the fact that habitats, as we said before, are quite fragmented. Yeah, so, I've got that down. Habitat fragmentation, reducing the giant, the, the genetic diversity yeah. of the of the animals. And so. then you also just end up with sort of small pocket populations, yeah. which from a genetic point of view is bad as well. But it also means that it's quite easy to wipe out an entire population, yeah. and they're not likely to then, if if another population is doing well, and it's all fragmented. You're not going to get an influx of snakes sort of reappearing in that habitat. Yeah, um, and so that. That is, again, just land. We have talked about that before, haven't we? That habitat fragmentation where areas are broken up, um, you know, whether it be through development or road building or whatever yeah. it may be, uh, dividing that habitat and, and um, isolating yeah, those and habitats. Yeah, suddenly if there's an, an illness, yeah. uh, loads of game birds, a fire. Yeah. Rather than it just taking out a chunk of a bigger population, it wipes out yeah. that pocket of adders entirely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the interestingly, the top of the list is how many game birds we release. Also, I think uh, there's another thing that, that maybe isn't uh, so um, people are so aware of is that reptiles 
a sort of across the popularity ranking actually rank quite low on yeah. the order of importance you know behind all the fluffy mammals and the charismatic the birds charismatic birds that reptiles come quite low in the in the sort of uh, league of importance to people um, as far as trying to protect and save again, them again they're not seen very much so people yeah. aren't always reminded of their presence yeah and that what that what the effect of that is that when these organisations that are trying to raise funding for, for projects to save reptiles, whether it be the adder or whether it be any other amphibian, I mean, whether it be smooth snakes, very rare, yeah, whether it be great crested newts, whatever it whatever it may be, they they have this um, this this very low ranking of importance for people to to help out, and uh, and that does have a a big effect when when it comes to funding for charities. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken about it before. Really, the, the best way for conservation is to protect a habitat, not a species. Yeah. So we always think about saving the pandas or saving whatever. It, what you want to do is save the rainforest. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the UK, what you want to do is save our woodlands and our heathlands because then it benefits all of them. Yeah. But it's nowhere near as marketable. It's a lot easier to get people interested in saving the red squirrels because yes. they're adorable. Or the curly. Or the curly yeah. or a charismatic owl or something. Yeah. Um, and so it's always been the conservation route is look at this animal it needs your help a lot harder to do that with a venomous snake yes, that might kill your dog absolutely so. that is a that is a, quite a big factor for all these organizations that are working so hard have limited resources are trying to raise funding for projects to uh to regenerate heathland and the habitat that the adder um thrives on and and so that's really a hard thing you know? yeah and there's always there's often conflicts of interest when it comes to for example, in the New Forest, the, the, they're very famous for the New Forest horses or the ponies, but they really heavily overgraze a lot of the heathland, but you can't get rid of the ponies because, I mean, what's the option? You go and slaughter them all. People would be very upset, with, uh, yeah. rightly so. So what yeah. do you do with them? And then also it attracts a lot of people. A lot of people want to come and see the New Forest ponies, but they're not necessarily the best thing to have on a heathland for all the other animals. I said, so, it's trying to get that balance, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, yeah, and that, uh, you know, interestingly, that's what uh, that's what Lord Montague was talking about at Beaulieu yesterday, yeah. wasn't it? Trying to get that balance of people coming into the New Forest to go to the Beaulieu estate, and they immediately they think of cars, the Motor Museum, and don't necessarily think of the amazing uh, nature conservation and the and the reserves that are part of that Beaulieu estate. So people come down to look at cars, not really knowing about. All the wildlife. You know, all the wildlife, and um, it's a very similar thing, I think, with... But then, uh, as ever, unless you've got any other threats... Uh, no, I don't think I have. It's a normal normal, normal things, Development, agriculture, yeah. game birds. Yeah. As ever, we've got some organisations that work very, very hard. And interestingly, again, you know, the RSPB, are, they have birds in their name, but they do a lot of work for reptiles and amphibians and... Mammals well, they do a lot. Well. They do a lot just in general yeah. um, reserve and um, uh, environmental conservation. Don't but they? the That's sort the of specific group is the ARC, which is amphibian yeah. and reptile conservation. Yeah, uh, and they they do a lot of the same stuff, but very much tailored to our reptiles and amphibians. And so they do habitat restoration, but they also do a lot of surveying, so try and actually work out where yeah. adder populations are and. A bit like the ground nesting birds. Once you know where they are, you can start putting up signs and things during the the peak time of year where they really can't be disturbed, where certain footpaths will be shut off or yeah, certain parts of reserves. Yeah, so you, yeah. it all gets sort of tweaked around trying to minimize the contact between people and, and the adders, so that people's dog walkers aren't going out. 
Um, and doing that educational bit of yeah. dog walkers particularly. And cause... obviously in this case, whereas it's not so much for the birds, it's a two-way street. You want to protect your dog, so... yeah. There's there's that side. It's a much it's a really good incentive for people to learn because nobody's going to want that situation. Yeah, and it's not good for the snakes either. And so, the the education and, and the sort of awareness because again they're not very visible. Even you could look at a patch of heath with three or four snakes in them and not see them. Yeah. Their camouflage is incredible. So it's they're not a visible animal, and so people are very it's very easy for people to forget or overlook them. So it's trying to remind people that adders are here keep your distance yeah. they need a bit of space in response to the whole game bird type thing what's quite interesting is arc have been working with uh trying to make that less of an impact either by reducing the number of birds released or by changing the timings or by releasing them in certain areas obviously i'm in favor of it just ending entirely but that's a lot harder um, and they're actually working really hard with farmers and landowners to yeah. get them to survey their own land. So that if they see adders, they can report it back to ARC and then they can help work with that farmer or with that landowner to mutual benefit of looking yes. after the snakes and looking after the, the land. Because, again, quite good pest control. Yeah, absolutely. Adders on, on they're, they're doing a lot of work with the landowners and the nature reserves as well, trying to reconnect those habitats yeah. so that those habitats and populations are reconnected. And make sure they can mingle. Absolutely. So that they're, they're doing a huge amount of work in that respect. Um, but a lot and of a it... lot of education as well. They're trying to increase the understanding and, and reduce the misunderstanding about adders. So there's a lot of educational work yeah. being done by this organisation. But it... um, There was loads of stuff on ARC, it, they're, they're a really they're, good organisation. Uh, again, we'll put the link to the website because there's some there's some great stuff on that website. Yeah, um, about all of our reptiles yeah, and amphibians. Exactly. They, they're often involved in things like the the toad patrols, yeah. Uh, yeah, which are great fun if you ever get a chance to do a toad patrol. You spend yeah, it's a, a really good um, it's a really good portal of information. Yeah. So uh, um, they're also trying to map the hibernation sites of adders. So obviously that is when they're going to be very vulnerable. They're not moving around. They're sort of hunkering down for a bit of the winter. And so if somebody then comes through and develops over it, they're going to be harder to survey. Yeah. Um, so if they can be aware of where adders are hibernating, it's a lot easier to then inform people who own the land or potential developments or whatever is being also being done on that land, areas that need to be protected. Um, just, again, it's that awareness. But it's maybe part of the life uh, cycle that people forget about when they're out basking. It's very easy to be like, okay, this area you've got young snakes or you've got... Uh, they, they might be under that felt, don't stick your fingers under yeah. it. Whereas if they're just tucked away for the winter, you probably think, oh, I haven't got any snakes for the winter. And yeah, they yeah. still need that level of protection, mm. um, especially considering the young are born in what September time. So, Yeah, they're a, they're a, they're a brilliant organisation. They did a collaboration, apparently, um, with Chris Packham and Yolo Williams. It was called Adam the Adder. Right. And uh, it was a little collaboration to create like a little fun animated adder guide uh, which told the real story about how endangered they are and how uh, you know much maligned they are so that was a little collaboration they did um, with those two guys so uh, yeah it's a really good really yeah. good very active organization and then there is actually the ARG UK as well isn't there which is the yeah amphibians and reptile groups of the UK yeah and that actually includes um 
a whole range of a bit like you've got all the wildlife trusts. It in, includes sort of amphibian reptile groups spread throughout the country. Yeah, and that one's that one's really geared again a bit like the BTO. It's much more of a data collection yeah. and surveying and data collection organisation. And um, they did a thing. They do a thing uh, called the Make the Ad Account, and they do encourage people in uh, also on a local level to uh, get in the springtime to go and do ad accounts all across the country so that they can gather as much data as they can and. Um, Again, it's a hard one because trying to get volunteers to do that is quite hard. Yeah, it is, like, obviously, we've emphasised that their bite is not dangerous. It's still not going to be pleasant. It's no. still going to hurt. Yeah, exactly. Um, so and it's, it's a hard one for them to get people on board, but it is being done. I know they're, uh, yeah, they're really uh, working hard on that to try and get people involved. So, um, yeah, so but that data is very uh, valuable. It's incredibly valuable. And it's, of course, because they are quite elusive, it, it's a a patient time consuming uh, thing to do you definitely um, get to know them i mean i haven't um but again you know he gets a few mentions but my my friend josh who spends a lot of time in the new forest he does uh, nature trek tours and has actually worked i think as an ecologist around that area so i'm well. hoping he can send us a couple of pictures actually because yeah. he's got some amazing pictures of some, yeah uh, he um he will go back to the same spots each year and he'll recognise certain snakes. So you you get your local patch yeah. of snakes and he'll be, oh, that's the big male with that pattern around yeah. his eye. And so you people thought, you know, you get, you get to know the birds in your garden. There there are like a little local population of adders yeah. that, that he and really And that's what they're trying to do. Year. They're trying to encourage people on a local level um, to, to go and gather that data. And appreciate their little local snake population. Yeah, definitely. Um, but beyond everything, people just need to remember that they are stunning and they really are stunning and actually quite we, exciting because we've got you know we, we we don't have a lot of snakes in this country we don't three have a lot species of, um reptiles so we should be really proud we should be really proud of this and protective of and them. protective of this absolutely stunning snake going back to that episode of yolo williams who did almost a whole maybe we'll link that um, as well yeah did a whole episode not whole episode but a big chunk of this episode was watching these adders and he was absolutely blown away how stunningly beautiful these creatures are yeah, and i can never a, get bored of seeing them it, they were absolute. well they are absolutely stunning and underappreciated very underappreciated as my poem outline a wonderful poem it was wonderful but there poem. we go i think that sort of rounds it up adders. yeah i think i think that's covered all of the all of the bits that we need. It's to a nice cover. species because we've got to spend quite a lot of time talking about their actual biology. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the normal the normal threats are there that we always talk about, and then as always, there's people working very hard to try and protect them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good, isn't it? We're. Uh, I think we're done. Yeah. I think that that will that will. I think that will wrap it up. Hopefully, did the adders proud, and we will catch you next episode. Yeah. Thanks very much for tuning in again. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.